0: The and beauty Podcast starts right now. And a good evening, everyone, and welcome into the Asmin and Budic Show, live on BIC Radio. We're taking you until midnight, 10 to midnight here. Jake and Dan with you. So much to get your first show back in Ithaca, New York, after we spent the week in Houston doing shows live from Radio Row. Much to cover on this show. We have a lot to get into with the Knicks, who actually won a game today. Big win. Really big win. Despite the mess with Charles Oakley and that entire situation, they even honored Latrell Sprewell at Madison Square Garden earlier today. What a better
1: time to do it, right after the Charles Oakley uh, incident. And,
0: you know, it doesn't reek up a PR stunt or anything like that, but we'll certainly get to the Knicks as we open up the program here. But we're back in Ithaca. It's great to be back. Jake Chernox with us. We decided to switch things up. I'm going to engineer the first hour, have a little fun doing it. So if you're listening on vicradio.org, don't blame Jake when I'm pressing the wrong buttons tonight, as I normally <laughs> do. So, of course, so much to get to. we got Jason Hannigan helping us out as well. But I wanted to open up the show. We're going to talk about the Knicks and their mess, even though they did win today. Somehow lose the They are a mess, though. Nuggets. You take call for what it is. But They're they, still they, a mess. The Spurs. You know, we'll get to it in just a moment. But I wanted to open up the show and just once again uh, give a giant thank you to all our listeners who came through for us last week and shared so much of our content on social media or took time out of their day to listen to some of our interviews or live shows. Last week was unbelievable. Obviously not the game that we wanted to see with New England coming back to win that Super Bowl. But as far as the coverage that we were able to do when we were at Radio Row, that was an unbelievable week. And I know the three of us in this room here doing the show, we couldn't have had a better time. And thank you to everyone who took time out of their day to listen to some of the stuff that we posted. All Yeah, and
1: we we got a lot of great feedback, too. A lot of people listening to to our shows, whether it was the interviews or the live stuff. So we thank everyone for their support. Of course, Ithaca College and the Park School for making it happen. What a week it was. It was really, from start to finish, just such a great great week, being at Media Week, being at Radio Row, and then of course it really culminated on Sunday night in in a classic Super Bowl, one one I don't think we're ever going to forget.
0: And we'll talk about the game a little bit later on in this show. It was a Super Bowl we'll never forget, as far as the implications it means for Brady's legacy and Belichick, and of course, absolutely the Atlanta Falcons never forget. Blew a twenty-five point lead. I don't want to hear. I, I don't want to see the
1: Atlanta Falcons back in the Super Bowl for a while. I'll United tell you that. Be
0: banned, and Kyle Shanahan should be banned from ever coaching in a Super Bowl with the 49ers. Well, I don't, never up to well I'll point. tell you what.
1: It will be a long time before the 49ers get to a Super Bowl. That's for sure.
0: Point being, though, with where we are right now in the NFL, it's kind of sad. Today, I woke up. And I watched Employees the first Sunday after, yeah. On TV. I was bored all day today. I was looking forward to doing this show. But other than that, I mean, Sunday, Ithaca College, not really much going on. The weather's terrible. It was boring, man. Could have used I, a I football, football game. Right.
1: We, yeah, I was going to say, could have used a football game. And I feel like any...
0: I bet on the Spurs this game <laughs> over. I mean, that's how boring You know what?
1: But then. anytime you get that first Sunday after the Super Bowl, it's always a depressing day. Because there's first day, no football. You have to adjust now to go, what, five, six months with no football games, no meaningful football games. It's an adjustment. And we're in that low period now between the Super Bowl and Major League Baseball kicking up. With pitchers and catchers reporting all this week. We really just have the NHL, the NBA, and... Till we get to it. Till we get to April and baseball season comes around. Really,
0: not much going on. But once again, as we open the show, just a big thank you to all listeners last week for coming through to us. It was an unbelievable weekend. it's great to be back. And Ithaca, think in New York. But let's get to the Knicks now, Dan. Knicks, they're a mess. What else is new? But this is a mess, even for Knicks standards. Where you look around and you just scratch your head and go, "How have we gotten to this point?" And as we come on and we're going to kill the Knicks rather how handle the Charles Oakley situation, you look at what they did today.
1: Even, it's not even the Oakley thing. It's beyond the Oakley situation. Well,
0: it, it goes back to who's running the team sure. and, and, our, and being critical of James Dolan for as many years as he's owned the team. I mean, the Knicks have, have had one good season under this guy since he's took over as the owner. It's been a long time since the Knicks had sustained success when, oh yeah, Charles Oakley was playing power forward for that Knicks team that was going to NBA Finals and competing with Jordan's Bulls every year in the postseason. But now you look at where the Knicks are, and and we'll we'll get to the Oakley thing right now. We'll talk about the the Knicks went over the Spurs after, because they actually played well today. Go figure they lose to the Lakers and the Nuggets and some other crappy teams, and then they go out there and beat one of the best teams in the NBA and hold them to 36% shooting. It was an impressive win today for the Knicks. But getting back to the Oakley situation, which is what everyone's talking about, it's not so much that I think Charles Oakley did anything wrong or that he's totally excused for his behavior, because I do think he's at fault for what happened as well. It's the fact that this owner, James Dolan, Goes on the Michael K show and accuses him of being an alcoholic. He accuses Oakley, not Michael K. He accuses Oakley of being an alcoholic and just throws all this stuff against the wall. And he's trying to win this petty battle against the Knicks legend. And it does no good for this team. It does no good for the implications it might have on free agents who may not want to come here now. They look at what's going on with the Knicks, with Dolan, and with Phil tweaking his star player and Carmelo. It goes beyond that. And the, my biggest issue with this whole situation is that Dolan's trying to fight a battle that they there is no scenario where he could win. And then you go to the Garden today and you have Knicks legends like Lachelle Sprewell there who hasn't been there in 17 years and whatnot. I mean, it all just seems so fake. And I know they won today. And this Oakley thing, I mean, it's, it's only going to continue with him doing a press conference later this week. It's just been handled so poorly and it's on this owner to have a pulse and understand that he's arguing with a Knicks legend. And when you're James Dolan trying to argue with a Knicks legend and then really argue with your fan base in a way, you're never going to win that battle. And just it makes the Knicks look stupid. It makes the Knicks look petty as an organization. And it's just a waste of everyone's time that they're treating someone like Charles Oakley, who's in the wrong, too. But you're treating someone like Charles Oakley, a Knicks legend. You're banning him from the garden and having him being thrown out by members of security and then calling him an alcoholic. Well, so that's, that's that's my read on this entire and and mockery of and I think you're
1: right. I think the Knicks did not handle it well, and I don't think there's any situation where Charles Oakley's in the clear here. I think clearly he, he he did some things he was guilty for, and I think security reacted in a certain way, but you're right. From For James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks, to go on the Michael K. Show on Friday afternoon, and when you hear he's going to go on the Michael K. Show, you know it's something – Interesting is going to happen because he never makes public appearances. He hasn't been on the show. He hasn't been on the years. show in three years since they hired Phil was the last time he'd been on the show. So my thing is, when I heard he was going on the show, I, I said he's either going to say something really stupid or he's not going to give any away anything, and he's just going to give a lot of coach speak so to speak and and not really give any information well it, it was the first thing he sounded like an idiot to to accuse well, Char- i don't know why he doesn't do anything. well exactly but to accuse charles oakley of being an alcoholic whether charles oakley is an alcoholic or not you can't have the owner of a team making accusations about one of the better players the knicks have had in recent history going back to the, those 90s knicks teams you can't have it and and James Dolan has got to know better than that. But my biggest problem is take this whole incident aside, and that's why he went on the Michael K show. He went on the Michael K Co show, show, so because he had to make sure people knew that this wasn't a James Dolan issue. He had to put all the pressure and all the the guilt, so to speak, and the, and the fault. He had to put all that on Charles Oakley, and I think that was the sole purpose of him going on the Michael K show. My, what I really pissed me off, as a Knicks fan and as you know. A fan of the NBA is the fact that he went on the Michael K. Show, and when it came down to answering questions about the team and the team's performance, he wasn't interested. And he basically took no blame and deflected that onto Phil Jackson, who he's paying $15 million a year to be the president of basketball operations. The team stinks, so I don't like the fact that when he's asked a question – You know, why is the team, or who's to blame about the team not being successful? Ask Phil. You know what? You own the team, and I don't have to hear that you're going to honor the five-year contract because, well, who's going to want to work for you if you don't honor contracts? You honor contracts, yeah, but Phil's done a crappy job. He should be fired. The fact that James Dolan went out publicly now and said that he's going to stick it out for the duration of the contract with Phil Jackson, come on.
0: Now I don't think Phil should be fired, but what has Phil Jackson done to deserve you know the the next two years of his career? Well, that's what Full I'm saying. If you're not going
1: fi- to 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 say that for James Dolan to go out where in the state the Knicks are in right now, for him to go out publicly and say that Phil's job is safe and he believes in what Phil's doing to 100%. I mean, as a Knicks fan, how can you listen to that and be happy?
0: No, you can't, and that's the issue with the interview. Ignore the Oakley situation for a second, and there's so much to get to with that. Well, the point.
1: Oakley see, it's like two separate it, things. It's the Knicks on the court, and then it's the Oakley situation. Both situations make the Knicks. So terrible. But,
0: but I'll tell you what, the, the Oakley situation is still an issue because you look at this team going forward and and does that affect the Knicks in the offseason with potential free agents? I don't money know. U- money ultimately talks, but in the NBA you have a cap. Well Everyone's I also think it doesn't thing. look
1: I also think it doesn't look good for a tra- for impending free agents to come to the Knicks when the president of basketball operations is tweeting about the best player in the league. I agree about with you. the best player on the team but, in a negative way.
0: And that's and, the issue. That's the issue with the Knicks on the court. But, and, but, Phil Jackson, and my no thing is how, knew that.
1: how is Phil Jackson gonna get players to sign with the Knicks? and get make the Knicks a championship team again when he has ousted and thrown under the bus the best player the Knicks have had in years and is basically trying to run him out of town. The way Phil Jackson has handled the Carmelo Anthony situation from day one has been brutal. He gave him the contract. He gave him the no-trade clause. He gave him the 15% trade kicker. And seriously, now, a, a, what is it, two years later, you're ready to throw him under the bus and try to run him out of town? I'm sorry, Phil Jackson, but that's a little ridiculous. And it's a little ridiculous also that the owner of the team is not even going to comment on well, it. Well,
0: you know, the issue above anything else with that interview is it just really outlines how much of a mess the Knicks are as far as what James Dolan views the job that Phil Jackson's doing. When Michael K asked him, you know, how do you, would you assess Phil Jackson as the president of your team? He wouldn't give an answer and said, oh, I'm going to honor his contract. And then the point you just made, well, how can I get anyone to come work here? You know what? People will work for the Knicks if you pay them. You're paying Phil $12 million a year. I don't want to hear, oh, I'm not going to come work if I fire Phil. People around the league look at Phil and the job he's done and say, you know what? If Joel fired him, it wouldn't be wrong to fire him. He's done a really bad job. And my issue with that whole interview, besides how the Knicks have handled this Oakley situation, is the fact that when you look... At the the players out there on the court, and you look at this team, where are the Knicks really going as far as the direction of this team? You know, they still it's in are, limbo you just don't know well and, and, and Phil Jackson we have no idea if he's even gonna be here after this year when he can opt down and now we want and him to it's not it's trade. ridiculous and Dolan said nothing about the job he, d- that he he didn't Philly comment doing. on it and he didn't comment about Carmelo Anthony Dolan was asked you know what are your thoughts on the way Phil has been treating Carmelo he's tweeting about him and he didn't stick up for a star player so that doesn't look good either and he just gave, basically said you know Phil could do whatever he wants and he's picking there's another petty battle the the battle with Oakley's petty and the battle with whoa oh all your fans said that I I, I meddle too much I'm letting Phil do everything well you can't let Phil run your franchise to the ground you can't just give I'm not saying fire him I don't think you should fire him just yet but I think that if you sit back and just let Phil think, no matter what he does, oh, don't worry, I still got two more years under my contract. I'm not going anywhere. I mean, where's the sense of urgency? And in where's Phil the, knows that he's saying no matter and
1: what And why happens? is it that Phil Jackson is in control of how long he's with the Knicks for? He has an opt-out at the end of the season. I mean, it's a little ridiculous that you're paying someone $15 million and that person's going to dictate how long they're the president of your basketball team for. He's done a, a bad job. The Knicks are a bad team. He's done a bad job. So the fact, and I really couldn't believe that James Nolan publicly said, and went out on the record and saying that he's going to honor that with everything that's happened. I mean to say that what has Phil done that makes him deserve to honor to, to honor that 5-year contract? The only thing he's done is he won championships with the Lakers and he won championships with the Bulls. If that is what you're holding, if that is the reason why you're holding on to Phil Jackson that there's still li- you believe there's still light at the end of the tunnel, that he's going to build a championship basketball team with the Knicks and you're banking on what he did as the head coach of the Lakers and the Bulls, come on. Come on, James Dolan. And it's time James Dolan grew up a little bit and stop being an idiot. Well,
0: that's that's the issue. He's picking petty battles. But he's that's an idiot. He's an idiot. You're going after Charles Oakley, and Oakley's wrong. I don't want everyone to be like, oh, free Oakley and all this nonsense. It's nonsense. He should not have acted the way he acted while he was at the Garden. I, right? I agree, There's correct. Size this. He's,
1: not... Charles Oakley's at fault here. He
0: is. And I, the idea that, oh, he did nothing wrong and the Knicks just went after him, that's not true. That's not what the situation's about. And listen, I'm a big Charles Oakley fan. I've always liked him. I got it. Didn't get a chance to watch him play with the Knicks because I was too young. But from everything I heard, he was exactly what you want uh, your power forward on a def- defensive first team to be. But let's not act like Dolan's—you know—the only one doing things wrong here. It goes beyond Dolan. I don't even care about this stupid Oakley situation. I care about the fact that James Dolan is running this franchise once again to the ground and when you look at Phil Jackson what he's done, it's not time to fire him but to go on the Michael K show and say that no matter what happens he's under contract the for the, you know, five full years that's unacceptable with, with the way this Knicks team has played this year and the way that Phil has handled certain situations via trade, free agency, and even the draft
1: Absolutely it's oh, It's unacceptable and, and you know what the thing and you kind of touched on it and what was it? what was the story three years ago when the Knicks hired Phil Jackson it was well, James Dolan's got to let Phil Jackson get his hands into the Knicks and really uh, put his blueprint on what he's going to do as, as, the, as the president of the, of the Knicks. And I was like, you know what? I'm happy about that. I'm happy that James Dolan's not, interfe- not going to interfere in what Phil Jackson does. But let me tell you something. That's three years ago. Three years later, the Knicks suck.
0: And I'm not asking him to interfere. No, but no,
1: but the fact that but he you can't
0: give this guy like you uh, can't you can't write him a blank check. Which he it's basically ridiculous. Did and then say no matter what happens, he's here through the duration of his contract. You, you have to yeah, make
1: what kind I of business that. person who runs a business like that? Who pay who pays someone to do a bad job? If someone's doing a bad job, they get fired. If you do a bad job at Fox Sports Radio, if you to did a bad job at your internship and you did something stupid, you would get fired. You get fired when you don't do good jobs. That's the way the world works.
0: Here's the other problem, too. He, so it goes back to what we were just talking about with with Dolan picking these petty fights. When they asked him in that interview... They said, what's your message to Nick fans, you know, that are are frustrated with the way the team has struggled? Why has this team struggled this year after a lot of people picked them to be a playoff team with what they did with D Rhodes and Julie Noah and realistic YouTube, expectations in year two of Chris Stapp's Porzingis. You know, why is this team entering today? Now they're ten games under five hundred, they were eleven going into today. You know, why is this team so bad? And he basically said, Ask Phil. And you know what? The idea that he's the owner of the team and he's just like, oh, ask the president, who meanwhile, the president of the team, you can't get in touch with unless it's through Twitter when you read one of his cryptic cryptic tweets about Carmelo Anthony. I mean, that whole conversation, that whole part of the interview was absurd. And that's my biggest takeaway from that interview. The fact that this owner is so petty with his fans that when he's asked on the show to take accountability for why the Knicks have been a bad team this year when they shouldn't be, his response Ask Phil. And it's never James Dolan's fault. Right. Exactly. Own up to the fact that, you know, what as the owner of the team who hired Phil Jackson, who was involved in the players that are on the roster that signs the checks... He's too big to go. oh, you know what? It, f- it starts with me. I'm the owner. He's, He's got
1: to take accountability. No accountability. Well, that's the it. thing. Ask and I Phil. tweeted about this at the time there, when when the press conference was was going uh, when the interview was was being conducted by the Michael K Show. There's no accountability. It was basically deflection. It's Charles Oakley's fault. Not saying it wasn't Charles Oakley's fault, but the Knicks were at fault also the way they handled it. It's deflecting it. Well, Charles Oakley is a problem, and he needs to get that taken care of. And yo, know, why is the team so bad, James? Well, you got to ask Phil. Well, Phil's not a to answer any questions, and you did this interview, Phil so you got to answer the questions. In and you know people because and Phil, and this is the problem with Phil Jackson. He thinks because he's an 11-time world champion, he could do whatever he wants, and it's unacceptable. And the way he he he's run the Knicks is unacceptable. But
0: why can he do that? Because Dolan, because Dolan d- gave him control of his own PR and his own Twitter. He said it in the interview, and they go, "You really gave this guy a lot of power." And he goes, "Yeah, you know, you know people ask me to find the right guy. You know, I, yeah. I found Phil Jackson." As Clearly, he's not, being, he's not the right guy. How can you just go on the? the that's what's so mind-boggling about it. And it just further, no it just
1: further confirms the opinions of Nick fans because they don't speak to James Dolan often. So when he goes on and he goes publicly and he speaks, people are going to really look at what he says and dissect what he says. That's how little he makes appearances in the media. So he came out on the Michael K. Show on Friday. Kudos to him. He made a fool of himself. He looked like an idiot. Now, all the Knicks fans know now, officially, James Dolan is an idiot. And they have footage on on Friday from the Michael K. show to confirm it. What? It's just, the Knicks fans have nothing to hang their hat on going forward they have a president of basketball operations who really doesn't even seem like he wants the job but he's being paid 15 million dollars to do so and you have an owner who is so laissez faire he doesn't seem to really care at all and it really is disturbing for a Knicks fan base that is so passionate.
0: He cares more about his public perception with not getting involved than he does about actually the team and that's why he signs off And what he doesn't understand is it's
1: it's not him not being involved when he was involved heavily the Knicks sucked now phil jackson's involved and he's in full control and the knicks still suck so something needs to be done here what is it well it's certainly not keeping phil jackson or now on february what was it the 10th declaring that phil jackson's going to get the duration of his contract that is ridiculous to make that statement and to go on the record to say that you're going to give phil jackson the full two years of his contract now i'll tell you what now if he doesn't give phil jackson the first five years james dolan looks like even bigger of an idiot
0: He's, it, the whole situation is horrible, horrible. Because you have an owner that's trying to win a battle with Oakley. It's never going to win it in the eyes of the public perception. You have an owner who is once again going at it with uh, the fans. The guy, guy is guy just clueless. James
1: Dolan is just clueless. He just
0: doesn't. He, the, the biggest issue I have is not the Oakley situation. It's the fact that when asked about the struggles of the team, his response is, "Ask Phil. You're the owner of the team. Take some so accountability, Jackson man. Works for you. Say, you know what? As an owner." I have failed. Be contrite about the situation. Not trying to blame everyone else but yourself. Ask Phil. You employ Phil Jackson. He's the only, he he doesn't realize. Job. Speak to your fan base that is frustrated and has been stuck by you. The Garden is sold out every single not night. Not because of James Nick Dolan. Games. I'll tell you that one. nothing to do with James Dolan. has everything to do with the fact that Knicks fans are some of the most passionate fans in all of sports. They show up no matter what. This team has been bad for 17 years. They've won one playoff series in 17 years. And they still show up in support the team every single night at the Garden. If, they're in, any, if they're
1: in any other market with this team, they'd never draw. If they're in any other oh, city, pretty Absolutely. Much. Where and, else can they go and when you know it's what? sold out every And, and night. Dolan continues to try to make a fool out of the Knicks fans. And I, I'll tell you what, it is, it is astonishing that he didn't have any comments to make about the tweets and the things that came out about Phil Jackson on Carmelo Anthony, and he didn't have anything to say about Carmelo. Nothing about the trade rumors, nothing about anything, not offer anything. He only went on the Michael K show to try to boost his personal personal image because of what happened with Charles Oakley. He didn't want to answer any questions about the team because that's not what it's about. And when he was asked about winning, well, I'd like to win. I'd like to win. Everyone wants to win. What do you mean you'd like to win? You're the owner of the New York Knicks. Yeah, you'd better like to win. Not like he knows what it's like to win anyways. He's a loser. It's
0: just so awkward or with everything he says. But you know what? It's just brutal. It,
1: it's brutal because now you won't hear from him for another two years. No,
0: and now we're only going to hear from Phil Jackson when he speaks to members of the media once every I'm six so months. I'm so
1: sick of that. I'm so sick of this Knicks regime. No accountability. No questions can be asked. No answers. You just get bad move after bad and move. And the reason and it's, come can on can away
0: with it is because Dolan doesn't care. He does not care. No, you're right. He, he doesn't. Care. doesn't care. And he
1: proved Phil that on month Friday. Friday. He really did.
0: At 607 842 is the number to call the Aspen and Budick Show on VIC Radio. Listen in. Tune in radio, of course. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, you can get us on our Facebook page as well. Podcasted it on ICTV.org and iTunes. This show will be the first show of the new semester here at Ithaca College that will be available on iTunes later this week. So if you miss any of the best segments, check it out on iTunes later on to search the Aspen and Budick Show. But when we come back, there's so much to get to. Involving this Nick Mess, We'll actually talk about their win today over the Spurs And then we'll dive in to this situation With Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook I tweeted it last night Most entertaining blowout I have ever watched We'll talk about that whole situation that went down In OKC when we come back It's the Asmine and Budick Show We're on till midnight We'll be back right after this Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable The Gustbuster is the only umbrella That won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit Gustbuster.com and get your Gustbuster today. You are listening to the Asman and Budic Show on VIC Radio. Tune in radio and podcast it on ictv.org and iTunes.
1: Jake Asman and
0: Dan Budick break down the world of sports right here, right now on VIC Radio. Asman Budick Show. Jake Asman, Dan Budick with you. And how about our old open playing to take us back? Jake Siegel, baby. And it's funny you mentioned Jake Siegel. We did an interview appearance with Reed and Roberts right before the show. That's the show that precedes us from 8 to 10 p.m. And they asked us about our experiences at Radio Row, and it was funny because Jake Siegel was down there with his ABC and, and Fox Alaska affiliate covering the big game for his station, and we got a chance to reconnect with him. And you know, it's funny Jake Siegel was the original update anchor, the original the update show, anchor, and, right? And he's when we
1: first went on VIC, and
0: he's forever the voice of our uh, rejoin so, And we got talking, and we got
1: to reconnect with him in Houston. It was really just magical. He
0: did. How about the fact that he had us on his. Uh, his newscast, his sportscast. Yeah, we did a little right package, yeah. It was pretty cool. So thank you to Jake Siegel for... If, if, you if you live in you, Alaska, you probably saw it. Yeah, if you live in Alaska, you, you've heard of the and Beauty Show, we think. Can't confirm it with a K, as Jake would say. <laughs> right. But it is very true. But let's get into Duran and Westbrook now. Dan, you watched the game with me last night at the apartment. Watching that game, the reaction was honestly about what you would expect. And I love all these people that come out on social media or in sports media and try and argue why Thunder fans should have cheered Kevin Durant. Anyone that tries to make that argument with a straight face, I just don't understand. Expect Thunder fans who had their hearts ripped out by this guy and left. Whether or not you think that he has the right to leave, and of course he does. His contract expired. He was a free agent. He could sign with whatever team he wants. But the idea, this fake outrage that, oh, how dare they boo Kevin Durant. You know what? Thunder fans have every right to boo Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant had every right to leave. That's my whole read on the situation. You know what? Durant... Didn't want to be booed? Well, you know what? Don't lead the city and join the team that you just blew a 3-1 lead against, and now you're going to go join them after they won 73 games in the regular season.
1: And it's, it's, yeah, exactly. And it's not like he just left the Oklahoma City Thunder. He left the Thunder to go to the team that beat them in the playoff, their direct competitor in the Western Conference. It's not like he went to an Eastern Conference team like the Celtics or, or the Hawks or a team like that. He went to the Golden State Warriors, a team that right you said it they blew a th- Oklahoma City blew a three one lead in the Western Conference Finals last year. And this is the same okay, is the same Thunder. Uh, excuse me, the same Warrior team that went to the seven games of the finals. So they're a championship contender. And to add Kevin Durant, I think the Oklahoma City fans has every right to boo. Obviously, he was a great Thunder and he did a lot in the community, but that's in the past. It's. What have you done for me lately? And lately, he left to join the Golden State Warriors, which we talked about—a little bit of a soft move on his part. And he's going to hear about it, and rightfully so. And I think it was a little ridiculous that after the game, he was like, "Well, I'm surprised how light the booze were." The booze were pretty heavy, Kevin. We heard them all the way from Ithaca, New York, on television. He you did. could you could hear them. So he I don't want to, So I don't need to hear Kevin Durant saying, "Well, I thought the booze were going to be a lot worse." I'm Kevin Durant. Ugh! It, it, come on, Kevin. The booze were pretty loud, and you deserve to get booed. So I don't need to hear his wife or girlfriend or whatever it is. Is talk about it either. He got booed and he deserved to get booed.
0: And you know what? It's part of the sport. And
1: everyone's going to boo him, not just the fans in Oklahoma City.
0: Booing is part of the business, all right? It's part of playing professional sports. If LeBron James can get booed, so can Kevin Durant. And LeBron got booed when he went back to Cleveland the first time after he left. Kevin Durant was going to get booed when he went back to Oklahoma City for the first time. And that's what happened. And you know what? This idea that, oh, it's a media fabrication, you know, that Durant and Westbrook don't like each other and that the Thunder don't like Durant. I mean, we saw it last night. They don't like each other. Russell Westbrook got into it with Kevin Durant. We saw members of the Thunder, Anis Kanter, and Robertson get into it with Kevin Durant. At one point, Robertson and Durant went nose-to-nose after uh, a technical foul was given out. I mean, these two teams do not like each other from the get-go. Kevin Durant does not have a good relationship with Russell Westbrook, and Westbrook, it seems like he can't stand him. It will be very interesting, on a side note, to see how these two teams will share, these two players, Durant and Westbrook, will share the All-Star Game locker room next week in New Orleans, because both of those guys will be playing for the West. It's one of those things where I don't blame any Thunder fan for being upset. They have every right to boo. I think when you look back on it, you can't hate Kevin Durant, the person. I don't think he's a bad person. But when they're booing him, they're booing him because he left, not because they think he's a terrible guy. They're booing the player. And I think Steve Kerr said it best. You know what? Booing's part of the sport. You could boo the player. But you got to respect the person, and I think that's for the most part. Well, I part, think there's no. It's not about. Think.
1: There's not about. I don't think it's about a lack of respect. It's I think not that's, it's, it's not personal. It's not personal. But well, you yeah. know what? When you three, four years ago, whatever it was, tweet out. I think it was when LeBron went to the Heat. You know, about the super teams and that you would never sell out, and you know, and he basically tweets something along those lines. And then here you leave the Oklahoma City Thunder to go to the Golden State Warriors, which have become an empire in the in the, in the NBA the last couple of years. I mean, come on, you're going to get booed when you make a decision like that not to mention he waited till July 4th to make the announcement and put it on and put it online a day where he knows everyone's not doing anything else but celebrating and, and enjoying the holiday he made sure to in, in, insert himself into the headlines and put make that a big sports story on July 4th uh, again, the way it was handled wasn't great by Durant, and the fact that after everything and him saying he wouldn't leave, and it, was, I mean, it felt like there was no chance he was going to leave Oklahoma City. And then, boom, he signs with the Golden State Warriors, and he deserved to get booed. And and again, uh, I can't blame the Thunder fans either. This is a guy that was their franchise player, was their was their hope to win, win an NBA championship. Who's going to be on the shoulders of not just Russell Westbrook, but mainly Kevin Durant. And
0: it's the way he left too, and the team he went to. Absolutely, he joined the team that just beat them in the playoffs, they blew a 3-1 lead, the Thunder did, and then he goes and joins a team that just won 73 games in the regular season. And was
1: one win away from an NBA title. Yep,
0: and the thing with Golden State and him joining them, that'd be one thing but also the way he left. And it wasn't as bad as what LeBron did with the decision and that whole nonsense that went on that he— This wasn't much better, though. No, but but it wasn't as bad. But the fact that he didn't even tell his teammates, he didn't even tell Russell Westbrook, I mean— And that's
1: where he was really at fault. The
0: media asked Russell, well, how did you find out? And he goes, the same way you guys did. I mean, that's a guy that we were told how close Kevin Durant and Westbrook were. I mean, these guys were like brothers. Everyone said—I know Thunder fans that said that, you know what— Durant's never going to leave. Him and Westbrook are too close. If they're going to leave anywhere, they would lead together. Well, clearly that wasn't the case, and there was a rift between the two of them. The way the series ended against Golden State, where they blew a 3 1 lead, all of a sudden, Kevin Durant doesn't tell Russell Westbrook, the, one of the best players in the NBA, where he's going to go. Westbrook had to find does out. does he how give Up,
1: What he's going to be doing or or he's thinking about leaving doesn't want a conversation about it. It's
0: different if Durant goes to Westbrook and probably says listen, I'm thinking about leaving. I want to give you a heads up. I think I'm going to leave if he has that conversation with Westbrook. I'm not saying they're going to be buddy buddy today. But maybe there's not as much animosity. So Durant's at fault for the way he left. He has a right to leave. And where he went. I'm not going to blame him for leaving. It's in his contract. He was a free agent. He earned the right to pick where he wants to go play if he has contract offers to go play with a certain team. But at the end of the day, the way he left and the team he went to... You're not going to be able to tell me as a a sport fan that those fans don't have a right to boo. And I think what Durant did was weak. I think it was a coward move going to Golden State. You're on the cusp of winning a title with OKC. You've said on the record you're not leaving. And then all of a sudden you lose to a team that just won 73 games. You lose to a team that you just went up against that blew a 3-1 lead. And you go join them. I mean, if I was a Thunder fan, I'd be crushed too. And they had they had every right to react how they did last night. And I'm, I'm with you on what Kevin Durant said after the game. I don't need to hear him go, "Oh, honestly, I thought it would be a little..." Out of Come you on, mind. it was Just loud say, enough. You, you want you, here's some PR one hundred and one, Kevin? How about you just go out there and say, you know what? I respect Thunder fans. I appreciate the support they gave me when I was here, and I understand that they're going to boo me. It was just another game for us. We, I'm happy we got the win and
1: move on. That's what, that would that would have been it. He, he didn't say. need to say it wasn't. La- you know, I, I thought it was going to be a lot louder. You know what? Why? Ta- why alienate the fan exactly? Base why Exactly. Why to even take a shot at the fan base? A fan base that really treated you great when you were there, and they have every right to be upset about you. That's the thing. Is like Kevin Durant almost made it sound like you know in, in his post game interview to a certain degree that you know that almost like the fans didn't even have really a right or that it was somewhat disrespectful to a certain degree and that just wasn't the case I think the fans I agree with you Jake I think those Thunder fans have every right to boo and hold up the signs because like we said when you go out and say that you're not going to leave and you're committed to Oklahoma City and committed to the fan base and committed to playing alongside Russell Westbrook and then you leave so abruptly on July 4th and Russell Westbrook didn't find out about it until I think he was in wasn't he in Rio Weren't they playing already, or was were, weren't they getting ready to to do something? I remember I heard they found out.
0: Yeah, they, I mean, uh, he made the decision to go to the Warriors right before the Olympic training camp for really right, right though.
1: before Olympic training. So he was he was training for to get ready for the Olympics, and that's how he found out. Yep, he found it, out it was out just he did on Twitter. But you know what? That is such a low shot to Russell Westbrook, and just a lack of respect from. Kevin Durant's side to Russell Westbrook, guys that have played together their whole career. They built a real winning atmosphere in Oklahoma City. Remember how bad the Sonics were? And then those first couple of years of the Thunder, they were terrible. And they, they, they put that team on the map as far as winning is concerned. And the way Kevin Durant left, I, I, left, I mean, you knew he was going to get booed. And I think the fans had every right to boo him. The only thing I would say is is that going forward, you know the booze will light up. It's always that first time that you're going to get booed the most. That first time LeBron went back to my to well, Cleveland, I'll tell you what, the way he, he got alienated
0: booed. The family no, you're for right. The, the next time will be. Just you're right, and now. and
1: that, and I think that's the difference. Is I remember when. Uh, LeBron left from Miami, and the first time he went back to Cleveland, he got booed even louder than Kevin Durant did last night. But I'll tell you what, after the game, you didn't hear LeBron James say, well, it wasn't as loud as I thought it was going to be. Just no need for that.
0: Didn't need to do it. And here's the other thing. As far as the actual game goes, and I said this before, that was the most entertaining really was. I've ever watched. <laughs> was. I mean, we were waiting to see if Westbrook was gonna get into Durant's face again, if they were gonna throw punches, if there was gonna be a brawl between the two teams. You had Draymond Green getting into it. how often do you fans. see the
1: fans still like the home fans still into that into a game when their team is getting blown out by fifteen points?
0: And that's the problem with these two teams. You know, Russell Westbrook is an otherworldly player. He's terrific. He's the MVP of the league. I don't even think it's a debate. You know he's averaging a triple double, and without him, the Thunder or with him, the Thunder are a playoff team. Without him, I mean they're one of the worst teams in the NBA. I mean that's how good Russell Westbrook has been this year. He's averaging a triple double. The problem is when Westbrook came out of that game last night. I mean you saw it. the thunder The Thunder had no answer. The Warriors went on a big run. They went up twenty. They're not as talented
1: as they're not as talented as the Warriors. And
0: it's not really a rivalry because every time they played this year, that was the third meeting between these two teams. All three games, for the most part, have been blowouts, and Durant's played well in all of them. And Westbrook has put up the numbers, but he's by himself, and it's unfortunate because Durant leaves the Thunder. All of a sudden, Westbrook's by himself, and as good as he is, and he'll win you a lot of games because of how good Russell Westbrook is, they just don't have enough to compete with a team like the Golden State They don't,
1: and that's another thing. When you lose Kevin Durant, you don't only lose a player, you lose your chance at winning a title because you can't fill the shoes of Kevin Durant. You know that's a star player that's a once in a almost a once in a generational player as far as skills are concerned you can't fill his void in and- Four off seasons, not nonetheless just one. So I, they're not on the same level as as the as the Warriors. I mean, there's no doubt they lost Kevin Durant, and that was a big part of the reason why they were able to get to within one game of the NBA Finals last year because of the contributions of the duo of Westbrook and Durant. I think I agree with you. I think Russell Westbrook's been the best player in the league this year. He is the MVP of the NBA. I think it's not even a question. I don't like, know
0: how you could give it. To it's not else. even a question. And I know Harden's been great, and Kawhi Leonard's had a great year. And honestly, if you really want to name an MVP, you could give it to LeBron. LeBron could win it easier. every year. But every here's year. the thing. When you're averaging a triple-double, you lose a top three player in the league in Kevin Durant, and you're still battling for a playoff spot in the middle of the West, I don't know how you give it to anyone but Russell Westbrook. No,
1: he's the MVP of the league, and I don't want to take anything away from him no matter where the Oklahoma City Thunder finish. But the bottom line is when you lose Kevin Durant, and they knew this coming into the season— You're not going to fill his void. And when you're going up against the Warriors, you're probably going to lose. They're probably going to lose. And that's not taking anything away from Westbrook or Oklahoma City. They're just not as talented as the Warriors are. The Warriors are one of the most talented teams we've seen in 10 years in the NBA. They're that good. So, again... You just you feel for the Oklahoma City Thunder fans because of the fact that the, you know they lost their chance at winning a title. Their chance at winning a title ended when on July fourth, twenty sixteen, when uh, Kevin Durant decided to go to Oklahoma, to, yeah, go, to go to the Warriors. And that's
0: the issue with the NBA. You already know who's going to be in the finals. So for a regular season game, I know it was a blowout, but at least these two teams don't like each other, and there were some entertaining storylines that followed the game. This oh, and there will be when they play again. I think they play again in a month. Yeah, Looking
1: so I'm sure it'll be ju- – where's the game? Is the game in Oklahoma City? Once again in Oklahoma City. Oh, State. great. So there'll be just as many fireworks. It'll be just as flary and dramatic, and it'll be a fun game to watch. And I'm I sure it'll this, be nationally televised.
0: And I said this before, but if you're just joining us, you know, they're going to play in the, in, the, in the All-Star game together next week. They're going to be in the same locker room. They could be out there on the court together. Are they going to dap each other up as teammates before the All-Star game or during the game? What will that relate? Really be Well, that'll be, be a like? big storyline during the game. Well, I mean, Westbrook's got to be teammates with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond. I mean, obviously Durant. It's going to be interesting to see what the reaction between those players. But are Westbrook's not a starter. Remember. Remember, he's averaging a triple double. Is probably going to win the MVP. Probably, of the the, probably the
1: best, one of the best years we've seen a guard have in in the history of the league. But he's
0: not starting the All Star game. Who's starting? Game. It's a, it's a Curry and Harden. It's Curry and Harden. Yeah, which is ridiculous. I mean,
1: again. How is the best? He's clearly been the best player in the league this year. I mean, he'd be the second player ever to average a triple double, he and he's not even starting the All Star game.
0: Triple doubles this year,
1: twenty six. Tremendous. Every night he's he's carrying. Basically, when they have one, and when they've you know they're in the thick of things in the West for a playoff spot, it's because of Russell Westbrook. And I just can't. He's the MVP of the league. I mean, I, I look at the the best players in the league this year, and you're right. You could give it to LeBron every year, but as far as 2017 is concerned, the best player in the league this year has been Russell Westbrook, and I, I was astonished that he did not get it. That he was not voted in as a starter for the Western Conference. I couldn't believe it. Well, it, sh- it shows you the flaws
0: that is NBA All Star voting.
1: But you know what? You're right about the flaws, but usually when a guy is having such a great year like Russell's having... Well, it's a
0: popularity contest. But he, but even
1: so, he is a popular player. I he is,
0: but Harden plays on national TV a little more. I guess.
1: I, I was shocked he didn't get no, put I, into I, the starter. I, I, I really was.
0: It's a joke that Russell Westbrook's not starting the All-Star game. It is a game, joke. But that's why All-Star games are a joke anyway. That's why I don't pay t- that much attention to it. The only time we ever talk about All-Star games on this show is usually when someone gets snubbed that should have been. Should not have been. Yeah, it's right, usually talking about right now, and that's what we're talking about right now. I'm not going to yeah. break <laughs> down the game. What do you think is going to win, the West or the East? Uh, do you care? They'll still
1: each score 200 points. Yeah, I
0: know maybe they'll play hard for the final three minutes of the game. For lucky, I may be asking a little bit too maybe much. Maybe we'll see a
1: little Westbrook alley oop to uh, to Kevin Durant
0: to end the game. I'm just uh, see. I'm actually interested final minutes. To see what their reaction is like between those two guys. Or who's coaching the All Stars? Is it Kerr? Is Steve Kerr going to be in charge of coaching the All Star game, or is it Popovich? I, who's I
1: coaching think. It, the West? I feel like it's Popovich. I feel like it is Popovich because there was something about the fact they didn't want um, they didn't want Tyron Lue coaching it again for the second straight year. I remember that was a thing couple about a month ago when the whole voting came out, and that came out that Russell wasn't starting. I feel like it's not Kerr, but I could be wrong.
0: Looking it up right now, but I'm I'm curious to see who's coaching was. A lot of it depends on you know who the coach is going to be as far as handling yeah. the egos of Westbrook do, you, I mean, do you, the Let me ask you, do you
1: think that it's going to be a, an issue or something you'll be able to notice on television? I, I think they should be able to keep it somewhat professional. I'm, both, just,
0: I'm curious. It'll be interesting to see. And Steve Curry is coaching... The so West.
1: it is Curry. Who's coaching for the East? Brad Stevens. Oh, Stevens. Okay, because I knew they didn't want Lou coaching again. That they didn't want Tyron Lou back in...
0: Well, remember, did Lou coach the all game last year? Uh, After David Blatt was fired? Well, he
1: did. Yes, I think he did. I, I kind of remember that as being a storyline when we were out in California. Tyron Lue,
0: uh, of course, uh, f- fantastic head coach of the Cleveland yeah, Cavaliers. Coached for
1: half a season, win an NBA title, pretty it, nice.
0: It, it really is remarkable. David Black got fired. They were the well, one it's, seed. It's in the remarkable season, ended up winning a title. Now Tyler Lue is oh the the next great coach.
1: And it's and it's amazing the power LeBron James has on the Cleveland well, you know Cavaliers. LeBron's
0: title is right player, coach, and GM. He does it all. You are listening to Jake Asman and Dan Budick right here on the Asman and Budick Show. Follow the show on Twitter with the handle at Asman Budick Show. But football season being over, it's really sad, and that that makes me sad. It as a is football sad, and for the, the, Jets, fir- the first Sunday without it, it's, it's Jets, tough, depressing. It's been over a long time. When you know they've been, it's been over since they were one and five. But now is the fun part. When they hopefully improve the team, and before we get to the Jets and Giants and their offseason needs, there are a lot of big NFL stories that have to unfold in the coming weeks. Before we get to the draft in April, we'll have free agency, we'll have maybe some big trades involving some quarterbacks. I think the entire offseason, though, really hinges on what ends up happening with Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys. What team will get Romo? Is he traded? Is he released? How does that situation unfold? Because whoever gets Tony Romo, that affects the balance of power in whatever conference he goes to, without a doubt.
1: And I think it also affects which teams are going to be in on which quarterbacks. And I I thought it was very interesting, the report, where if the Cowboys don't like what they— what they, what, what the trades that are offered and are on the table that they would cut him. I, I just don't see the benefit in just cutting him. I think he still has some serious value, and you can make it a, a, a good trade with a team like the Denver Broncos to get some value back for Tony Romo if the Broncos decide to go about that route and bring in Tony Romo, or another team would try to get Tony Romo. I think there is value there. I'd be shocked if they cut him. I think this is a clear cut trade. Him get as much as you can back. He still has a lot of value in teams that are close that are on the precipice of a Super Bowl and that need the quarterback will take a shot on Tony Romo and would give up maybe a second round draft pick, maybe a few draft picks, maybe a player. I don't know. But I definitely think Romo has value. I can't see a situation where the Cowboys don't trade him and just cut him. I don't think that's a possibility.
0: The only scenario I could see where they just flat-out cut him is if they work some sort of agreement out where they're cutting him and his salary doesn't become guaranteed. Or that whatever team he signs with will have to pick up the bulk of his salary. There's no scenario where they're just going to cut him. I it just makes to, no hey, sense. It has to be a scenario where they cut him and they're saving money on their cap. Because if they just flat-out release him, that doesn't do them any good. They have to find a well, way that's why to you cut would think and benefit from And that's
1: him. why you would think that making a trade would be the way to go, because I think there's still value there to make a deal, and I think a team would give up a substantial amount to to get Romo if that team feels you know they're a quarterback away and they're that, that's that one piece they need to try to be a winner. I think Romo still has value. But when it comes to looking at the teams that might be in on Romo, that's going to affect really the New York Jets and how the Jets attack the quarterback position in the offseason. We agreed Romo's not going to be a New York jet that's not a route they're going to go about but we hope it's not we hope not so if that's not an option the knicks um, excuse me the jets have to address the quarterback position somehow they only have two quarterbacks on the roster right now with a total of four games experience starting they need to add a veteran quarterback depending on where romo goes i think it's going to affect who the jets go after now what quarterbacks are we talking about We're talking about, unfortunately, Jeff fans, mediocre to bad quarterbacks. We're talking about Brian Hoyer. We're talking about, hopefully not, makes you cringe, Jay Cutler. These are the type of quarterbacks the Jets are going to be 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 in on. so Jets. It would be so Jets. Jets. And honestly, it kind of makes sense for the Jets to make that move, only because of the fact that it's a Jets-like move, and I'm sure it'll be miserable. So it makes sense (laughs) for the Jets.
0: You know, the problem is, too, with this free agent class, outside of Romo, it's the usual. Well, you're looking for a bridge guy. Well, the Jets have always had a bridge. Exactly. Guy, so that's the problem, and there's
1: no guy the Jets are going to bring in for next season that's going to make them a playoff team. There's no guy. Well, the
0: only guy would be Romo, but you're asking a lot out of well, Tony I, Romo. Well, I, I to just come don't
1: in. think where the Jets are right now. They're going to they're going to get Tony Romo.
0: They can, but they, uh, you said he's, but he's the only guy that could make them. If the goal is to be a playoff team, he's the only guy that can make them a playoff team. I just think and unless Hackenberger, Petty with another year of experience somehow turn out to be, but you know what? Quarterback, but going let's forward.
1: but look at this. Look at this situation. Say they do bring in Tony Romo, you're still how many years are you gonna have Tony Romo as your starting quarterback? A couple, two, two years, and next, then and then you're years? in a position where the Jets are in now. you still don't have a quarterback. Well, if you bring it buys Romo, you some more time, I guess. It does, but that's all the Jets do is buy time well, at quarterback.
0: That's the issue. That's why, if you're a Jeff fan, this would be my approach to the offseason bring in a veteran. Let Hackenberg, Petty, and that veteran compete. Give it to the guy that earns the job. However, and Damien Woody, or not Damien Woody, excuse me, Willie Colon said this to us at Super Bowl week last week. If they find a quarterback such as a Deshaun Watson or a Mitch Tubinski, someone they believe in in the draft. I mean, Doc Prescott was a fourth-round pick. You know, Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick. You, Russell Wilson was a third-round pick. If they find a quarterback that they believe in, draft him. The issue is... They drafted Hackenberg in the second round. They must think that he's the guy. So I don't want to draft another quarterback just for the sake of drafting a quarterback. But that should not stop you at pick number six in, in the draft in April. If the Jets are looking at themselves going, you know, we really think, insert quarterback, is the guy. Take that guy. Don't let it stop you. But we'll know because at that point, free agency would have already happened. Are they drafting a quarterback if they sign a Jay Cutler or if they sign a Brian Horner That's a good a question. Contractor. And then uh, There's a lot to be determined. And the direction they go at quarterback will tell you what Todd Bowles and McKagan think as far as their job security. If they go for the quick fix and try and get Romo, that tells you, oh, my God, we're on the hot seat. We need to win games. The best quarterback out there is Romo. Like it or not, and whether or not you think he'll get hurt or whatnot, there's no debate about it. Tony Romo is by far and away the best available quarterback the Jets can get. Because the best available quarterback out there maybe is Garoppolo, but there's no chance in hell that New England's trading him to the Jets. I agree. So that's out. They, so there's the no
1: chance, chance the Jets get Garoppolo. The only
0: chance to get a good think, quarterback
1: is Ronaldo. I just think the Romo move. Is not a move the Jets are going to make. I don't think, I don't think it. it's. I just don't think it fits right now with what the with where the Jets are. I also don't think Romo's a quick fix at the quarterback position. They have a lot of other holes that became very apparent at, as the they started melting down last season. The offensive line isn't very good. The defense needs some some adjustments. They need to make some personnel changes on the defensive side of the ball. What are you going to do with Revis? That's still a concern. We don't know if Darrell's going to be back with the Jets next year. So I don't think necessarily bringing Apparently in Romo. The Jets
0: don't even know if he's their best. Uh, player in their secondary history. Oh, I
1: know, which was so ridiculous. And <laughs> We'll talk about that. I mean, real quick, the Jets put up some Facebook, was it
0: Instagram, Instagram. poll? InstaFace. InstaFace. Insta-face. Insta-face. Uh, basically, real quick, this will take 20 seconds. The Jets put out a hashtag Franchise Fridays. They put up four pictures of former Jets defensive backs. Victor Green was one of them and two other guys, I forget. Revis was the fourth and go A, B, C, or D. Revis was C. And they go Who's the best Jets defensive back of all time? As if there's any debate... That is ridiculous. ridiculous debate,
1: but hashtag Franchise Friday. <laughs> but the, going back to the point, uh, you don't know what's going to be with Revis for next season. I, I just, Romo doesn't make sense. So if Romo's not the move, you know, you're talking about a second-tier quarterback to try to bridge the gap. And, and again, bridge the gap to who knows. Are they going to draft a quarterback? If they like Deshaun Watson, I'm with you. Go out and take him. But then, why did you take Christian Hackenberg last year in the second round? And that's the problem. We have two quarterbacks on the roster that have four games experience starting. There's not enough experience there to tell me Bryce Petty's going to be a good NFL quarterback, and obviously we haven't seen Hackenberg at all. We don't know what Hackenberg's going to be.
0: Here's what's probably going to happen, and it pains me, but I'll tell you what. Petty, Hackenberg, insert veteran. They will not draft the quarterback at number 6 because they took a quarterback in the second round. I agree with deal. you. The Hackenberg pick, if it turns out to be as big of a failure as it looks like it's going to be right now, that will really hurt the Jets because what will absolutely happen is whoever they don't take at 6, whoever gets the next quarterback after the Jets, people are going to be killing the Jets. How could you not take this quarterback? And then the answer is going to come back to the fact that because they took Hackenberg the previous year, they didn't take the quarterback at six that they should have. I don't know if that's going to happen, but as a Jeff fan, you always expect the worst. I could see that scenario playing out. Oh, I could, see the, I
1: could see that happening too. And the thing with Hackenberg now, say they have a veteran and the season gets off to a bad start and they're not doing well, you got to make a move. You know, at, at what point does it become? We have to see if Hackenberg can play. We thought that would happen last season; it never happened. We saw Petty, but we didn't see enough of Petty to tell us whether he's going to be a good starter in the National Football League. We have two quarterbacks that are so up in the air. I think whoever they bring in next season, if that guy's a starter at the beginning of the season, and the Knicks and the Jets lose four of their first five, or four of their first seven, or something like that, or or they're below five hundred, whatever the case may be, you got to go to Hackenberg. You got to go to to. Petty, because we need to see if they're going to be the guys going forward. Because if we don't know that, then we're in the situation we are right now. And the Jets, and we talked about it with Don LaGreca when we were in Houston uh, uh, last week, we talked about the fact, why didn't we see Petty earlier? Why didn't we see Hackenberg at all? wouldn't Wouldn't it have been beneficial to see these guys play maybe five or six more games than we saw? We didn't even see Hackenberg, but wouldn't it have been beneficial? Forget Hackenberg. Wouldn't it have been beneficial for the Jets next season to see four more starts out of Bryce Petty? You, you can't tell me it wouldn't have been.
0: Uh, of course. And so the issue for the Jets, besides quarterback, is what can they do to improve going forward? Rebuild this offensive line, rebuild this secondary. If they're not going to be good next year because they don't have a quarterback, you got to put other pieces in place. Look at the Cowboys, for example. They were horrible when Romo went down two seasons ago now. They still had a great offensive line, so when they got Dak Prescott, when they found the quarterback, they were ready to win. When they inserted Ezekiel Elliott into that offense, they were ready to win because they had a good defense and a great offensive line and good skill position players. Anunwell looks like he's going to be a good player. Robbie Anderson looks like he's going to be a decent player. Eric Decker's still under contract. You could win without a great quarterback. Find other well, they can ways, be competitive. Find other ways to be competitive and let Todd Bulls at least show you as a coach that guys are going to be better under his watch. And if they're not going to be a playoff team next year because of the quarterback limitations, at least find out what you have with Petty and Hackenberg and show me that this roster is improving from a coaching standpoint and from a talent standpoint. Because you don't just find a quarterback. If they find it in Hackenberg or Petty, great. But the veteran that's out there, the Cutler or the Hoyers of the world, They're not going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You don't know if the Super Bowl winning quarterback is even on the roster. Chances are it's not.
1: Right. And that's why there's a lot of pressure on Mike McCagnin to put a good team out on the field next year and to improve the issues and, and the band and bandage up that defense and bandage up the offensive line. Their offensive line was terrible this year. They had injuries. They couldn't stay healthy. They have to fix their offensive line. They have to fix their secondary because their secondary was awful. They need to get a little quicker at linebacker. I mean, there's a lot of areas they, they can improve. They should use the draft, hopefully, to improve and maybe draft some guys that could have an impact uh, – a major impact in a positive way on this team in 2017 i'm tired of seeing the jets draft guys who end up getting cut in the fourth or fifth round end up getting cut midway through the season they need to find guys in the draft that can play on this team and be contributors to an nfl roster this is a huge it is this jets. is a huge off season for mccagnon because you know he's not going to solve the quarterback situation well, he's, he's that's a given job. he's fighting for his job so if that's the case Put a team out in the field that's talented and try to get the best you can out of your roster. Because last season, we didn't see the Jets get anything out of their roster. The coaching wasn't there. McCagnin's personnel, the moves he made, the guys that were brought in last season. Guys regressed. That was regressed. A guys part. regressed. They didn't continue to improve off that 10-6 and 6 season from a couple of years ago. So... McCagden the pressure's on McCagdon. I think he's on the hot seat here. I think Bowles is on the hot seat too. They have to not show that this team is going to be a championship team next year, but show that there's they're going in the right direction, that we're going in the positive direction to move towards maybe three or four years down the line, the Jets being a serious championship contender. If we don't see that this year, McCagdon and Bowles are going to be gone.
0: And the other issue with this team is, once again, it always starts with the quarterback spot, but you're right. Is Todd Bowles the right coach or the GM? And if you're not going to be good, what can they do to prove that they still are? The and right that's guys the biggest problem
1: because usually you judge a coach, a, a coach and a GM by wins and losses. But if but you don't have a if you don't have, do. a if you don't have a quarterback next season, it's tough for me to say Bowles is doing a bad job. Bowles is doing a good job. I need to see the team improve other ways. I need to see the defense play a heck of a lot better next year than it did this year. I need to see the offensive line perform a heck of a lot better than it did a year ago. And I need to see Todd Bowles. Not have issues with the players. Keep the locker room together. Last season, the issues with Sheldon Richardson and and Brandon Marshall towards the end of the season, and the way Todd Bowles handled the quarterback situation and answered questions on it week in and week out, the way he handled himself was terrible. He needs to show that he can handle being an NFL head coach, and if he could do that and the Jets next season are 7-9 and nine or 6-10, and 10, but we see the positive going forward, then I could say Todd Bowles should be the coach going forward, but you're right, it's tough to judge a coach when the wins and losses aren't going to be there next season, because chances very- are the Jets aren't going to be a good team next it, year.
0: It all depends. I hope that Petty turns out to be a really good quarterback. I hope that Hackenberg, if he earns an opportunity to play, which in his second year of being drafted in the second round, he needs to get a chance to show what he has, and if at- not, and if he's year. not
1: ready to play, and, what, and then he's not good, but what does it show about your coaching staff that you draft a guy in the second round and you
0: can't even get him ready to play? It goes beyond even the coaching staff. What does it say about Mike McHaggan? You're right. You're absolutely right. A franchise quarterback, if the guy that he used a second-round pick on, a second-round pick, is not ready to play after two years. So that's the real question mark. What do they do at quarterback? If it's not Romo and they're just going to bring in some veteran scrap and the Jets get off to a rough start next year, pull the plug early, let Petty play, let Hackenberg play, find out what you have. They should have done that this year. Hopefully young guys get better, and if they just stink next year, you change the coach, you change the GM, or whatever the case may be, maybe you keep them because they prove they can coach. I don't know what's going to happen. But at least the quarterback class for next year is good. You can maybe get a Sam Darnold from USC. Or you can do something. But you can't just draft another quarterback now for the sake of drafting a quarterback. But final point on the Jets before we take a break and talk Giants. Don't just draft a quarterback to draft a quarterback. But don't let Hackenberg or Petty stop you from taking a quarterback at number six if you think deshaun watson or any quarterback that you think is great is there take them if he's because you know what i agree Until with you. you find the quarterback nothing else you do matters at all the asman butick show is brought to you by Gus busters umbrellas and wings over ithaca now let's get back to the show with jake asman and dan butick has been a music show vicradio.org taking you for another 20 minutes or so a lot of nick talks tonight a lot of russell westbrook and kevin durant chatter as well we talked briefly about the Jets just before, so it's only fitting that we talk about the New York football Giants. We were down in Houston last week, got a chance to talk to several people that are normally associated with the Giants, including Bob Papa, the radio play-by-play voice of the Giants, and the big story involving that team is, hey, JPP is a free agent. Will the Giants invest a long-term contract into arguably their, their, their best defensive player outside of Damian Snacks Harrison and Landon Collins? You can make a case that J.P.P., he's the longest-tenured defensive player on the Giants, but he's also one of their most important players. And that defense, as well as they played at times last year, when J.P.P. went down, they lost that true edge pass rusher to go alongside Olivier Vernon. What do they do? Do they give him that long-term deal? If I'm a Giant fan, I'm very torn over this.
1: You got to be torn because of the hand situation, and I think that's what—excuse <clears throat> me—really makes makes this element so unique. Is do you want to commit the years and the money you'd have to commit to bring back Jason Pierre-Paul? And the guy has had his issues. You know, he blew off his finger, and you don't know how that's going to affect him. And he's played well last year at times, and he was very good. And he was a big part of their defense, but for a long-term contract. Is that the type of player when you know he's really only playing on one hand? How's he going to play as he gets older, being limited uh, the way he is? And that's something you have to look at for the Giants if you're willing to invest those years and money into Jason Pierre-Paul. I think when you look at the Giants team and the way they're built and with Eli Manning there and how old he is, I think it's worth it to give him the money and bring him back because I think the Giants window is right now to win if they're going to get another title in because of the fact that Eli's getting older and, and he's not getting any younger at this point. So if they want win a title, I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul is going to be a big part of it, but again, are they going to invest the years and the money? And that's the big question.
0: It's got to be the right amount of money. can't overpay for him. As good as a player as he is, they still were able to win games and go to the playoffs once he went down for the year. I mean, this Giants team, despite the fact they won 11 games. A lot of it wasn't because of their offense. I know they have Odell Beckham Well, Jr. how much money do you manage. think
1: he's going to get on the open market? It's
0: tough because you never know with these teams and free agency. And the Giants, they have given him the money with the franchise tag. He's already said he's not going to do it again. you got to give JPP more than three or four years. I mean, that's asking a lot out of a guy that I know is still a very good player. He's limited, though. But he is a little limited, and at the same time, you, know, you have you have other needs. I mean, this Giants offensive line has to be improved somehow. They gotta figure out what was wrong with this offense this year if it means, you know, getting a tight end. I mean the Giants need to find Well, ways I think to, tight end to, is that should be their number one that need. That should be offense. their number
1: one need. And if they can if they can find that in the draft, tight I end, think they right should go tackle. ahead and do it. Tight line. end, right tackle, because the Giants really haven't had a tight end. I mean Kevin, Kevin Boss, Boss it, it, you know that's in Jake Ballard was pretty good the Super Bowl year that second Super Bowl year he was good he had a good season and then he left they had Bennett for a year they had Bennett for a year I mean Will Tye was their tight end last year but he, he's not a focal point of an offense you know Will Tye is not a, a tight end you get up for and is and a prolific player uh, a receiver in the Giants' offense, if they can find a tight end somewhere, I think that would be a, a, a big boost. But then again, solidifying the offensive line because you can't allow Eli to take some of the hits Your he took towards the end right of the last now. season. And that's the thing. Their window is right now. That's a great point. Eli Manning this is, is not famous. getting any younger. That's why it, 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 you don't want to overpay for Pierre Paul, but if you could bring him back at the right pay- price, you, you, you want to do it. You're inclined to do it because of the fact The Giants might be able to squeeze one more title into Eli Manning, and the the time is now.
0: The issue with Eli is, and Bob Papa told this to us when we had him on the show, if you're a Giants fan, really take a listen to that interview. Bob opened up about the Giants and what it was like covering this team this year when he said they did not know why the offense struggled. Eli Manning took a massive hit against the Redskins in week three. And he said that after that, Eli hasn't taken a hit like that in a long time. He wasn't the same quarterback after that. He had some happy feet this year. Eli Eli had a, an okay year. He wasn't great. He, but this Giants team didn't score 30 points once all season. I mean, they struggled at times. And Eli, he's a stand-up guy. He says all the right things. But I think deep down inside, Eli was scared in that pocket. And a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. Got to protect your franchise quarterback. And Eli Manning, as good as he is, even Jerry Reese, the GM of the Giants, acknowledged that they have to start thinking about the eventual successor to Eli because Eli's getting up there in age. He's not going to be able to do it forever. And if he takes a lot of hits like he did this previous year, maybe even he might have to end his career even earlier than what I'm sure he anticipated playing another three, four years. If he takes a couple of big hits and all of a sudden is not as effective as he was this past year, I mean, what do you do if you're Eli Manning and the Giants?
1: Absolutely. And that leads me to my next question for you and the next topic I think we're going to talk about here. As far as the quarterback position is concerned for the Giants, if you're in the fourth or fifth round and you like a guy, do you go out and draft him because you're thinking long term, or is it too early to address the position in the fourth or fifth I'll round? Tell
0: you what I'll, I'll even raise you on this: I don't even think you think fourth or fifth round. Fourth or fifth round, any team could draft the quarterback because maybe you like a guy, you could be a project, turn him into your your future number two. If they like a guy in the second round. Or, that says a lot or, if the Giants
1: take a quarterback in the second, second or first or round. third round. Third round, too.
0: Don't rule it out. I mean, we saw what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers. They took him in the first round, and they still had Brett Favre. Eli Manning's a great quarterback, but he's not Brett Favre. And so if Aaron Rodgers could be picked pick number 24 in the first round, the Giants can use a pick on a quarterback in the second round, third round. And don't. it would not totally surprise me if they used a pick on a quarterback they really like, if there is one out there, in the first round, because you know what?
1: I think that's telling, though. If they go out and draft a quarterback in the first round, it's going to make a lot of noise around the National Football League.
0: but if they take a quarterback in the second or third round, it won't make as much noise, but people will be looking at it going, you know what, maybe they think Eli Manning's only got two or three years left. Two or three really good years. Well, I
1: think, he prob- I think the Giants kind of know that, and Jerry Reese kind of hinted that when he said, you know, Eli's not getting any younger. So the Giants are really in an interesting position here, because if they can address the quarterback position, I'm sure they'd love to, but they have a lot of other positions on the field. Field, especially offensive line, tight end, to try to improve this team. Even at running back, I mean, who's going to be the running back of this team next year? This is a team that hasn't been able to run the ball well in a couple of years. And if you know, I think we know, if they had a little bit better of a running attack, they might have had some more success later in the season offensively.
0: Eli Manning this year, twenty-eight touchdowns, sixteen interceptions, still threw for four thousand yards. It wasn't bad. He wasn't great, and a lot of it had to do with his offensive line. I mean, it's it's kind of unbelievable that a team that has Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard, who emerged. As a rookie, and even Victor Cruz, I know he wasn't great, he's not the same player he once was, but he was out there and he was good for a couple big catches the game. They just did not play well consistently on offense and go. that's
1: far, one area we thought the Giants were going to be really good in this season. I mean, we're scoring a
0: lot of points. You look at what they did last or two seasons ago now, when they were six and ten, it wasn't the offense. You know, the offense put up a lot of points, it was their defense. You kind of flip the script a year later, they won't they go eleven and five. Somehow they go 11 and five and we're talking about the offense being a you know a, sh- a struggle for them all season they got to figure out what the issue was got to go back on film and evaluate Eli Manning is the type of quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl with he's proved it but he's 36 years old he'll be 37 by the time next season ends how many more years do you realistically have with Eli Manning because listen as good as Tom Brady is at age 39 not everyone gets to play into their early 40s oh I mean effective. Tom Brady's
1: an, an exception to the rule I mean you you can't anticipate that Eli Manning's going to be the Giants' quarterback 39-40-41. Uh, you just can't see it. Eventually, he's going to, I think, retire, and the Giants are going to have to figure out what it is at quarterback. But I think it's an interesting note, what the Giants do at quarterback as far as this draft is concerned. Is there a guy that they like, if it's in the second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round, that they want to take and try to develop to be the successor to Eli Manning? But it's a tricky ground Jerry Reese has to walk here. It's very tricky waters, because at the same time, you want to find a quarterback going forward after Eli Manning, but at the same time, you want to be able to address the needs on the football team right now in the next couple of years that's going to make the Giants a championship team. So I think Jerry Reese is in a really unique situation here in the fact that he wants to look forward past Eli Manning. Yeah, you have to if you like a guy, but at the same time, the focus has to be on trying to get a championship here in the next couple of years because you got the defense in place. They did a great job last year of bringing in the defensive unit, bringing in Jenkins, bringing in Snacks Harrison, solidified their defensive front, Olivier Vernon. I mean, free I mean agent moves the Giants. I mean, a year
0: ago, you can't make it. You can't they, make out
1: any better. You can't have a better free agency than the Giants had a year ago. Now the question is, how do you build on that and have a championship team? I think a big part of it is solidifying that offensive line on the right side. What size. do they do you with can't, Eric Flowers, man? He's got, terrible. I mean, he's just he's, he's awful. Out there. He's for a first round draft selection. He stinks. And you're right, the Giants have to address that because. Eli Manning can't be getting knocked down on his butt every game, uh, 20, 30 times a game, or whatever it is. He can't be hurried the way he was towards the end of this season. It just, it really can't happen. And Bob Papa talked about that hit he took early in the season. You can't allow Eli Manning to get hit like that. You can't allow him to get hit that many times this he got hit this season. You know, he's got to be able to play with a clean pocket. He's an older quarterback, he's not going to be on the move that much. I mean, you gotta be able to protect the quarterback. That leads me to think, what are the Giants gonna do on that right side? How are they gonna improve the running back position? How are they gonna improve at tight end? I think that's an area they can really improve on, and that'll make them a better offensive team. They literally had no tight end weapon, uh, besides Will Tye. And Will Tye is not, like I said earlier, he's not a guy you're gonna be, that's gonna be the focal point of your offense. The Giants had a pretty good offense on paper. They really did, and we thought the offense was going to be 10 times better than it was two years ago because of the fact they had Cruz coming back, and it wasn't, and they had Shepard coming
0: in, and, and it wasn't. They did not anticipate this line being such an issue, and the other question is, what do they do at running back? You know, this It's is a, a big team, question. This is a team that has Shane Vereen. I know he's missed some time last season with injuries. They still have Rashad Jennings, and at the end of the year, we saw the emergence of Paul Perkins. The question becomes, do they believe in a Paul Perkins going forward? Do they draft a running back? Do they sign a running back? How can they improve their running game? Because for the most part, the Giants did not run the football well at all last year. Took them to the final game of the regular season for them to have a 100-yard rusher. This is a team that if they want to help Eli Manning out and improve the offensive line and give him a run game so we could go with some play action to throw in and out of the pocket with. And that's the
1: problem. There were too many times over the last, really the last three seasons, solidly the last three seasons where the games won or lost in Eli Manning's hands. And listen, I know most of the time, you know, you'd love to be in that position to have Eli Manning the ball in his hand trying to win the game. But at the same time, you go through the course of a 16 game regular season, you need to be able to run the football. You need to have success on the ground. You need to work the play action. When you you have a good running game and you match that with Eli Manning and his skill set and the receivers the Giants have, it makes their offense that much more deadly when you have that threat of not only can they throw the ball in the air and be successful, but they can run the ball and be just as successful scoring points. And that's something we haven't seen from the Giants the last couple of years. Remember, when they won, when they won the Super Bowl, the, uh, both times against the Patriots, they ran the ball extremely well they ran the ball extremely well it was a big part of their offense and I don't think it's a coincidence I think when you're able to run the ball that well like they were those couple of years match with Eli and the defense that's a recipe for success if the Giants can solidify that, that offensive line and you know try to make it some adjustments at running back because again is Paul Perkins going to be the guy that the Giants feel is their featured running back going forward I don't know Jerry Reese has got to answer these questions
0: both New York football teams the Jets and the New York football Giants have a lot of work to do Dif- different
1: kind of work but yeah both very both both GMs have their, their work cut out for them.
0: The Giants obviously trying to improve on an 11-5 and five year, and the Jets trying to get back to relevancy after their first ever 5-11 and 11 season in the history of the franchise. Isn't that unbelievable? The first ever time... The Jets have got 5 and 11. Well, they've They're had a bunch of 4 and
1: 12 seasons. So he's
0: either 4 and 12 or 6, six and 10. 10, right? Never 5 and 11. That's
1: pretty amazing, their first 5 and 11 season. And what a memorable 5 and 11 season it was. And we'll never
0: forget it. 6072741842. It's the Asbin & Budic show on vicradio.org.
1: Thanks for listening to the Asbin & Budic show. To keep up with the guys
0: like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter with the handle at Show.